Pipes and Mitch. G'day everyone. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to a very special guest. This gentleman hails from the Victorian township of Warrnambool. At the age of 21, my next guest was plucked fresh from the University of Melbourne, where he had graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree, majoring in creative writing. He was then thrust into the limelight as one of the co-hosts of the National Triple J Breakfast Show, alongside with childhood friend and comedian Tom Ballard. The two hosted the breakfast show from 2010 up to the end of 2013, where Tom moved on to other avenues. After Tom's departure, if you cast your minds back to earlier this year, maybe a few months ago at this point, I spoke to comedian and radio personality Matt O'Kine, where Matt took over the seat in 2014 and for three years hosted the breakfast show with my next guest. My next guest is also very prolific with his creative talents, taking him into a number of fields, making TV appearances in ABC's JTV and Sean McAuliffe's show Mad as Hell, also providing live sport commentary for the Women's International T20 Cricket and the NEAFL AFL competitions, as well as DJing in some of Australia's biggest clubs and music festivals, you may know him as DJ Snorlax. My next guest is also a published author with releasing his debut novel last year, When It Drops. These days, himself and Matt O'Kine are the hosts of the highly popular comedy podcast, Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast, which is available on the Listener app or wherever you get podcasts, where yours truly has appeared on there plenty of times, to which I even went on a blind podcast date, which was hosted by the host of The Bachelor, Osher Ginsberg. My next guest is also an ARIA award-winning comedian. It is with great pleasure I would like to introduce Alex Dyson. Hey, how you going, Mr. Dyson? Um, saying I, I, just, I, I pre-recorded it. The Goods t-shirt looking uh, excellent. A bit of a shout-out there. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, it's my uh, shame. <laughs> oh, it's music month, isn't it? So That's absolutely right. Yeah, the old... Um, the catchphrase I sent in through to Triple J through anonymous numbers, which due to a change <laughs> in the system since I'd left. Um, so where are you from today? <laughs> so it's nice to see it emblazoned across your chest as I join you here today. Well, yeah, well, uh, I know, as I, I've, I've already pre-recorded a, a sweet intro, but insanely talented Alex Dyson has been kind enough to grace this little potty here. And as anyone yeah, knows... Yeah, a sweet intro could be good because it's the, um, you know, it allows you a bit more time, it, you know, keeps my busy schedule on track, but it also could mean that you um, you really stitched me up in the intro there and I'd, I'd be none the wiser just jumping on. <laughs> but I'm sure you gave me all the uh, the pleasantries and the uh, the accolades that is is deserving of such a, um, a Rattus Doggus. <laughs> Classic Mitch up. That's how I roll, baby. <laughs> absolutely (laughs) all right so so the idea of this podcast is it's kind of like it's a storytelling podcast so what i do is i go through like if it's someone like like yourself who's someone that i admire very much i go through things like a timeline so we're like talking about like you know young diocese day can i call you diocese is that cool yeah absolutely man that's what i got at college Uh, feels like i'm back in my uni days with a bit of (laughs) diso i got ned because my last name's kelly that or dickhead either way So, you know, I thought we could talk about like Daiso's career, you know, what you're like mm-hmm. before your time in radio. I mean, along the way, you know, you obviously you your time Triple J and all day breakfast and up to today, like Comedy Club and, you know, Comedy Republic, I mean, and all this stuff and just have a laugh, some laughs along the way. What do you reckon? Sounds good to me, man. Let's do it. Sweet. So this, this, this is, this is becoming a bit of a common theme. This segment used to be at the end, but I'm using it at the start because it helps with my nerves and it's a bit of an icebreaker tool. So I like I like to get Absolutely. the guests on to have a yep. whinge wine sook. It's kind of like a topic on your podcast, Rant Dog, where 
for the mm-hmm. listeners out there, for anyone who hasn't listened, um, Alex envelops himself in sheer hatred and anger, and he just absolutely tears apart. Uh, people yep. submit um, you know, different ideas and different gripes that pisses them off, and he, he tears a hole in it. In reality, it's freaking hilarious. Yeah, and, there's uh, no um, there's no seeing where the other person's coming from when you get into the <laughs> dog persona. There's no um, giving anyone the benefit of the doubt, okay? You just go full shock jock. And you start um, telling it how it is in inverted commas, i.e. yelling. Because I tell you what, if you yell, and it's proven over the media for many years, if you yell, then you're correct. That's, <laughs> I think that's how it works. The loudest voice is the most correct. And so uh, that's how I uh, get away with that over uh, over the all-day breakfast Tuesday rant. All capitals, look out, everyone. <laughs> so this this section, it's cool. It's a, The idea is to get something off your chest. It's good to have like a whinge wine sook. And I was wondering... Dice, would you like to join me in having a bitchy with Mitchy this week? <laughs> let's do it, Mitchy. Let's get let's get stuck in. So, um, do you have anything that's that's ailing you, or do you want me to start off while you think of something? Or well, I've got something, but I, I would love to get on board yours. You know, help right. help rev it up a little bit before we get started. All right, okay. So, so as or everyone might not be aware, but Alex, myself, and Matt, I've interacted with them a bit on their podcast over the last sort of eighteen months or so. And one thing they know is that I'm a I'm a coal miner and lately my shift worker brand has been letting me down hardcore. I had two strikes in one day. It was ridiculous. So two strikes a day. What happened? So I, I come off, I come off shift work. I have busting use the toilet and the last toilet on the way out is where they do their drug testing and me being oblivious and tired. I've just put my back down straight in there, done my business. And I've walked back out and I open the door and here's the drug testing lady. And she's staring at me. She said, didn't you see the bloody sign? I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So embarrassed. What sign is on the, on the door? Because there's usually like a, a men, men's silhouette, a lady in a dress silhouette. Is there like a syringe silhouette for the d- drug testing toilet? It's just a big sign, big sign that said drug testing in progress. It was a universal <laughs> toilet. So she's like, didn't you see the bloody sign? And I was so embarrassed. Put my head in my jumper, started to walk out faster, and the bloke. No, 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 no. That's guilty people do that on a current affair. You don't put your head in your jumper and start walking away. She was going full Grimshaw. And (laughs) old mate had his little piss cup, was walking in there. And as the door was closed, and all we could hear is, oh, fucking Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) You left a bit of a uh, a bomb site behind you. So I, I, I got out of Barris and then I got home, went to a supermarket to get my stuff. And when we start the gear on site, you have to blow the horn to let everyone know and start it. And yeah, like, as the hundred meters at the Olympics. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. I see this is why we get guests on you. Like this is fantastic. <laughs> and we and naturally, like I just tied. I, I blew the horn in my car to start it. And old Matty had a trolley in front of me, and he jumped about two foot in the air. You dickhead! What are you beeping at me for? <laughs> so, so the brain. I say the brain was not working that day, so my my brain is mush. My bitch is my and your brain. brain. Yeah, <laughs> have a go at the brain mush. Look, oh, that's yes, right. Yeah. Everyone has a mushy brain occasionally. Oh, mate, that's all right. Something that's been irking me recently, Mitch, and look, it, it's happened for a while. I mean, the slow descent of reality television shows um, <laughs> into getting celebrities on. I mean. It is a bit like when you're down at the supermarket, okay, and you go and they've just restocked the shelves, okay, and you've got the beautiful, glistening, misted vegetables sitting there in front of you. The cream of the crop is there for the picking, and you go, oh, my goodness, I have not seen produce this fresh 
since I was doing my farm work out of uni. Um, <laughs> first celebrity reality TV shows, they had their pick of the celebs. And so the celebs were red hot. They were A-list. They were top of the game. I cop the ad for Big Brother VIP. <laughs> it's been popping up. And every celebrity on there is like they're advertising their celebrities the celebrities are there, they're talking about they know more famous celebrities. So you've got Caitlyn Jenner on there and they're going, talking about Kanye. It's like, well, why didn't you get Kanye on Big Brother VIP? Because your show's terrible. So they got Jenner on there talking about Kanye. you got Omarosa talking about Trump. You've got Jessica Power, whose claim to fame is being on a different reality TV show, on there talking about Shane Warne sliding in the DMs. Get Warney on there. He was, what, season one? Um, I'm a celeb. He was on there. Now they've got people talking about they've had an interaction with a celebrity. I think that we need to have a hiatus so we can regroup and get the good celebrities on there, um, you know, because they're going to get very, very desperate soon. And before you know it, they're going to have Alex Dyson up on one of these shows. <laughs> and it's gonna be, that's when you're really going to know that they're in trouble, um, which reminds me of a, a, I think someone said to me, I was going on a date with someone one time. Um, not with Woods is a good, someone else. And they said to me, oh, you'd be, the per- you'd be the perfect amount of fame for I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. I'm sorry, we should see other people. <laughs> what a, what an absolutely backhanded compliment. I know. It was like, I thanks, I think. I didn't know what to, didn't know how to respond to that one. But anyway, it's, it's, yeah, it's, reality it's, TV shows, the uh, get better quality celebrities thank you that's what that's all i have to say about that you heard it here first folks i mean it's like oh you know if you were just this much taller it would have worked out sorry champion <laughs> you got really pretty eyes though <laughs> damn it oh well but no i like i like to do this because like it's a good ice breaking tool and you know hard hitting facts i mean you yeah, get it hard pumping <laughs> stop drop and roll you're on fire champion <laughs> so for those of you who you know, might be a Triple J listener. Uh, Alex, as mentioned in the intro that he hasn't heard yet, um, you know, he was uh, one of the Triple J presenters for a long time with himself and Tom Ballard. And so uh, that was from 2010 to 2013. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then yep. at the end of 2013, um, Mr. Tom Ballard left and went off to do his, his own thing. And uh, Mr. Matty O'Kine, who I did an episode with previously, he um, he come on and from 2014 to 2016, um sort of spoke a bit about you know the genesis of your broadcasting career together so talk a bit mm. about that soon if you want but you and i have actually met in the flesh twice thought i might make mention once was at that uh, unearth gig at um i think it's 2014 big mac or fresh for playing and i think i met you yeah. at, at a oxford, group, arts? oxford arts it might have been on the metro or something like that uh, and i met you at a time at, i think it was at a groove in the move i think you were doing a, a dj snorlax set maybe and oh, you come that out I was, um, and- I was traveling around doing the music in between um, the actual artists' sets. You know, you got to keep the vibe up and, yeah. um, you know, play some hits in between. But you got to be careful and not get too vibey. I think occasionally I got too vibey. And so then the crowd's like loving the songs and then the actual artist comes out and plays their tracks, which are great, but, you know, not as internationally known as, say, Mr. Brightside. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting role, the in-between um, vibe curator, where you've got to uh, keep the keep the people smiling and um, grooving and ready to go. But 
potentially not unleash hell too much on on them, so that uh, <laughs> so that the people coming on after you aren't aren't uh, too upset with you. Acoustic set sandstorm. I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been done before. I did it with Darud. Darud himself was in Australia touring a Future Music Festival, and I played um I played accordion with him an acoustic sandstorm session it was um it was really? an honor to be in the in the presence of the lord and savior darude himself see look see that right there that is the reason i ask people like you to come on six stories <laughs> like that i mean i'm done i'm not even worthy you want a celebrity to get me out of here after that story you can do whatever you want <laughs> well the, the interesting thing about darude meeting darude in the flesh is that he arrived at the triple j studios um much like um, in The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, um, <laughs> when the plane is going away from the mummy who's created a large wall of, of sand in the desert to chase them. He sort of spun out of a, a, um, a wall of sand and just sort of appeared in the studio. It was quite miraculous, really. Yeah. <laughs> the man, the messiah himself. That little triangle goatee can pierce anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, it certainly yeah. pierced my heart. <laughs> oh how good so this is this isn't going as i thought it would but that's even better so <laughs> so what i was going to do was fire some questions at you about your like timeline and sort of get to yep. know daiso as i said and um i just wanted to to kick things off this is a question i ask everybody you take yourself back to your earliest memory yep. what was the first thing you were ever a fan of sing a show book series wow what was the first thing i was a fan of that's a really, really good question, but it will take some thinking <laughs> because I think that's that's really great because it's not images, like it's not first memories. It's it is yeah, having a um, you're starting to become self aware and have a consciousness and saying I like this. That's that's really interesting. I remember one of my um my like this is sort of coinciding with my earliest memories. One of my favorite things to do, and it was I don't know. If it's a um if it was homemade or it was bought from some random craft shop but me and my sister had this um it was just a piece of really cheap um wood like well, not chipboard but was sort of that laminated white laminated wood that had holes drilled all through it and around the edges colored shoelaces were tied right yeah okay so they were sort of hanging off this piece of wood and then through it was like a grid say it was like a dominoes like there's just ho holes geometric holes all through this drilled through and what what the idea was was the kid the baby or whatever would take the shoelace and like thread it through the hole and thread it back out and then back in again and make patterns so it was almost I guess a a type of sewing game but you just made different colors with these shoelaces through this hole and I that's one of my that'd, I, that'd be super early that'd be like when I was three or something I do remember doing that and being a bit of a fan of, I guess, this sewing, this cross stitch, this really rudimentary cross stitch, which <laughs> I don't know, I really don't know if like my dad just made it for me or whether it was something that you could pick up from some shop somewhere, but me and my sister had it and um, yeah, loved it. It sounds really good for like your sensory uh, sort of type things as a young age. It probably helped you with your dexterity or something. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, I never got into sewing or um cross stitch i did a i did a couple of them over the years but um no i sort of gravitated from there maybe from when it you know tweaking the knobs on the old dj decks that's probably where i um <laughs> got the dexterity from that uh growing up but that yeah as far as, um, <laughs> as far as like tv shows go i remember really liking tintin when i was oh that's um, a callback cool <laughs> when it was the tv um version i 
But yeah, comic-wise, I did as well. Asterix, I remember the books I found really funny with all the puns and stuff in those early books. Yeah, I quite liked... I quite like that stuff. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I'm a comic. I'm a comic fan, and I my earliest memories. I used to watch. Uh, I'm about your age. I used to watch like Cheese TV, um, yep. ABC Kids shows of an afternoon, like um, you know the Samurai Pizza Cats, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, that was one of Matt O'Kai's favorite. I didn't really, um, I didn't really get sucked into that as much as. What the other ones? I remember a show called Mr. Bumpy. His name is Mr. His name is Mr. Bumpy. He, he goes bumping bump in the night. night. Yes. <laughs> and he ate old socks and <laughs> chewing gum discarded under someone's bed. That was an old one. But yeah, stuff like Rocco's Modern Life and yes, all, all yeah, they, they remade, they revamped Rocco's Modern Life. I think it was circa 2018. Um, oh, I remember those old um, cartoons. They were surprisingly sort of dank and gross. Like, I'm thinking like the Ren and Stimpy even, which I never really got into. But you know when like their eyes are all bloodshot and it's like really moody shots of these <laughs> things? It's like really kind of, you get a visceral reaction as a, as a young kid watching these shows. It was um, it was pretty interesting. I went back through and watched uh, Our Real Monsters, another one of those Nickelodeon shows. Oh, excellent. Yeah, they has got thing. that dude holding the eyeballs up. That's yeah, and the little like, rat, and one looks like an umbrella. But it's the same thing. Like it's that, there's little, like you go in there and you, you listen and the stuff you missed as a kid, as an adult, you pick up going, yeah. wow, how the shit were they allowed to get away with this garbage? <laughs> yeah. Angry beavers. That's another one springing Daddy. to mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. Oh, I, you know, when you grow up in a, a small country town. So I grew up in Western Newcastle, a place called West Ball's End. And, um, you know, it was between that, playing soccer and footy and watching cartoons. It was a, it was a pretty sheltered life, but that's okay. Didn't turn out too bad. No, it did all right. So, okay, next question is, you've been in the entertainment industry now for, you know, over a decade, well and truly. Um, what was the genesis of your entertainment career and how did you officially, like, get started on this trajectory that you're on? Um, the entertainment career began probably when we'd charge, me and my sister and our family friends would charge our respective parents um, a silver coin donation to watch the theatrical shows we'd put on in the lounge room, you know, occasionally <laughs> acting, That's awesome. some slight dancing, be some um, spaghetti westerns of people diving over couches and, you know, those kind of things. So we'd rehearse these particular shows and perform them. So I didn't mind doing that. But um, back in Warrnambool, where I'm from, southwest Victoria, some friends, some other family friends were getting in, were in a young, it was called primary performers, the, the primary school age kids put on a musical and um, we went along to that. It was really like, I think the directors had just pulled out and these kids, like I, I say, they, they seemed like old adults at the time. They would have been about 19 were the directors of this <laughs> show. Um, starting to pick people and I got cast as Bert the Royal Guard and um, started acting in this, in this show. Um, on stage at the Warrnambool Performing Arts Centre, and I quite liked that. And so I started doing, um, I started doing, yeah, it's just any musical that the show, the school was putting on. I enjoyed doing that um, for whatever whatever reason. I don't really, yeah, I don't really, I can't really pinpoint what it was I enjoyed about. I enjoyed the um, hanging out with the cast and being backstage and being silly and you know that kind of thing. Um, me and my sister also got a video camera and would 
film um, jackass um, <laughs> piss takes um, as many oh, a, a young, impressionable teen would disregard the warning statement at the start of every jackass episode that these stunts are performed by professionals. And, um, yeah, we started filming our own, like we'd get in a shopping trolley and roll down the, <laughs> roll down the hill and film. Um, I remember we filmed... And I'd put on it because we also, I quite like The Chaser growing up as well. The, um, the Chaser. Australian comedy troupe. And um, Chaz from The Chaser had a segment on their show, whether it was War and Everything or something else. But um, he called it Lame Ass. Um, <laughs> and he did lame stunts. And so we kind of, it was both taking off Jackass, but almost more taking off Lame Ass. So I remember um, we were filming a video to one time where that we called the Seesaw of, <laughs> seesaw of Death. <laughs> what we did was we got a big, plank of wood and we like put it as a seesaw over um like six bricks that we built up as a little fulcrum in this seesaw of death <laughs> so the sticks I got with the one end sticking up in the air and the other end my sister was standing on wearing like knee pads and elbow pads <laughs> she was standing on the end and I addressed the camera and I said um all right man welcome this is the seesaw of death <laughs> get ready and then we got Alfred to hold the camera and I climbed up just the the ladder <laughs> and I jumped off the ladder onto the <laughs> end of the seesaw that was up in the air and pushed it down and my sister's legs just got taken out from underneath her <laughs> on her back and she was okay but I just I was, I was trying to I was laughing too, too hard to present the rest of the um the labor's outro and so um, i'm sure that footage is still somewhere in the, t- the tyson household but no always a uh, bit of a risk taker to perform although my sister did did all the um the dangerous stuff in that particular video i don't know how i got away with jumping off i think maybe because i was the heaviest at that time being 18 months older than her but no she was an absolute trooper and she was fine but we got some great footage out of it oh that's some future TikTok content for you. <laughs> oh, that was TikTok way before TikTok, which I guess Jackass was as well. It was just silly people doing silly things. But mm. um, yeah, there was all sorts of, of random things. Some of it was rehearsed and choreographed and other stuff was, uh, was a little more DIY and, um, and <laughs> yeah, underground, I guess. Oh, that's awesome. We, my brother and I just regularly just would build each other up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they've they've made a that's something out as well. It's called UFC now. That's what they've um they've made something. So you were, like we were doing TikTok before TikTok. You were doing UFC before that took off as well. Oh, you know what? We should have invested in the nineties. We'd be rich people right now. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so you 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 sounds like you're born to perform, born to you know do your thing, and born to you know basically be your own unique self, which resonates through your comedy your radio shows and you know your content you create to anyone out there i'll post the link at the bottom but alex's tiktok fire pure fire man that that video you had in thailand had me rolling <laughs> oh thanks man yeah we were just on a little um vacation in thailand and took the opportunity to do a um interpretive dance on the beach um in well in what was complete silence at the time but in my mind i was dancing to because we're at the sort of similar beach where Leonardo DiCaprio filmed the movie The Beach um, in Thailand or at PP Islands, I was thinking of um, Porcelain by Moby in that. So the original incarnation, when I put it on Instagram in well, 2019, 18, 19, 
had that music. But then going to TikTok, you got to get the trending sounds. And I found um, the ABBA musical <laughs> tune. And I'm like slipping through my fingers. And I thought, given I was lifting the water with my fingers and it was rolling through, I thought, beg your pardon, I thought that might work the best. And um, yeah, it did. And it, it's my first proper viral TikTok, which was pretty cool. When you're getting lots of comments in different languages, <laughs> it's um, it's yeah, touching it. all, all quarters of the growth. Like, this I'm, guy is a loco. And I'm like, hey, I know what that means. <laughs> hey, loco. I've only sort of been semi-viral once. I'll share that story with you later. Um, Matt, Please Mark, do. Mark Fennell, um, I was on Mastermind and I wore a Scrubs onesie on Mastermind that he hosted. He was actually yeah. on He was on the show and he and I resonated so well. He had It took him 27 takes to ask me the questions because I just had him rolling. And um, <laughs> <laughs> but they put the outtakes up or something. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you later. And um, yeah, okay. so they've edited me to look like awesome. someone even started a Reddit thread. And the first comment is poor bloke with a head that big. He's got a five head, not a forehead. It's like just got roasted. <laughs> just just got roasted. Oh, that's the problem with um, you know getting in the public eye. You just start getting it to people who are just like say whatever. It's awful. <laughs> I just, and it was, it was funny. Like when we were going in. Since the onesie, the bloke's like, oh, mate, do you mind if I put a microphone on you? No worries. And he's like, I might have to get creative here. I'm like, well, no worries, champ. If you can, and he went to go through the bottom of the buttons. I said, well, you might have to buy me dinner after this. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You didn't have a, a bum flap. He could come up from through that. There was no bum flap, but uh, yeah, damn. But I um, and they, I had to put foundation on my head. My head was too shiny. <laughs> Hey, that's everyone's got a problem with that, uh, particularly in Mastermind, where the sweat is pouring down the brow, uh, oh. such as the ferocity of uh, of the questions. Look like a giant thumb. Anyway, so we moved on. So, okay, spoke a little bit about you know the genesis of your career and stuff, and you know as I mentioned before, Tom, but yourself and Tom Ballard were on Triple J Mornings for a time. You were even on a show before that on Triple J, weren't you? In like the mid shift for a couple of years, is that right? Yeah, so we we were on weekend breakfast for a year prior to doing on the weekday breakfast. Um, and yeah, that would be Saturday, Sunday morning, six till 10. And we'd pop up on the Scott Dooley drive show doing us little segments, which I think sort of was slightly introducing us to the, the you know, the weekday Triple J crowd. But before that, we were on um, overnights for a year, the the graveyard shift, which is 1 a.m. to, to 6 a.m. And um, oh, I'll tell you what, that'll put hair on your chest, <laughs> lurking in the um, early hours. And it was funny because I was telling um, Woods about this the other day, actually, because in those, I mean, in the the good old days, uh, then when you started your 1 a.m. shift, you'd get, have to get in an, you know, an hour or two early because you had to pull the CDs from the CD library because that's how you played the music. There was no computers like type in the song, press the button it was you get your playlist it had a number that was like eight three one eight six four two five you go in the cd library you look in the section and go all right there it is um mgmt's oracular spectacular i'm playing kids uh by mgmt second so there's that full album and you put it face down in the box so then you go to the next number i go okay there's the next album it's from the shins we're playing australia we're putting that on top and then here's your sarah blasco and then you know you pull five hours worth of cds to get you through the night and then go in and um put them in press play it's song and finish take it out put the next cd in and it was um a quite an involved shift when you were um, running it? running it there back circa 2008 or nine <laughs> i think it was yeah so you know you and tom did your thing and then tom left and then come 2014 the man matter steps through the doors of triple j 
Welcome so, to my life. Oof, welcome to my life. <laughs> so yeah, as 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 I mentioned before, he's been a, a previous guest on an episode, mm-hmm. and he from his perspective, he told the story about how he got started there and how he was sort of recruited and, and all that sort of thing. But from your words, can you just sort of explain how it, how it started between you two and what was your first impression of Matty? Yeah, well, I, I had seen Matt do stand up comedy before. Um, and, and was very funny, but I'd never talked to him at that particular gig. Yeah, I just saw, saw him and that was great. Um, but yeah, when we found out that Tom was, was thinking of leaving, going to other things, like I was open to leaving as well. And as much as I was open to um, uh, staying on with someone else. So they said, oh, well, how about we get you? We'll do a few demos with some different people. And so, um, so yeah, I did a demo with Michael Hing, current drive host, me and him. So very it was funny, man. Very funny, you know. Man. Um, Daiso and Hing in the mornings. Um, I did uh, a demo. Who else did I do a demo with? Yeah, there was a there was a few different ones. <laughs> the funniest one was probably um, <laughs> I did a. De- I was literally I'd got out for dinner with my housemate Dave Anderson Ando because um, we, we were living in Sydney. It wasn't far from the ABC studios, and we'd gone for a, a dinner in Chinatown and had a couple of beers. Um, and I said, we're walking home past the ABC. I'm like, Oi, come in, come in. Let's do a, let's find a studio and do a demo together. And so literally my housemate, who's a physiotherapist, like he's not, he's not in the media world at all. He came into the studio and, um, we did some segments together. I'm like, it's, um, Alex and Dave, Dave, tell us, you grew up in Rochester, uh, Victoria. Tell us what happened there. He's like, oh, mate, uh, it's done. Just pretending to be a radio host. And, uh, and so I, I saved it and I sent it to the program director. I'm like, oh, just in case you're interested, here's, um, here's me and um, Dave Ando doing a, <laughs> doing a show. And he's like, he said, I was surprised at how much I didn't mind it. And it, for the fleetingest moments, I thought, oh, I wonder if that could work. Absolutely not. And it was a godsend that it didn't because um, Matt O'Kine walked into the studios and he'd just won or been nominated for Best Newcomer or Best Show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is pretty big, particularly as an Australian international going into that festival. And uh, he came in and, yeah, we started talking and I'm sure he mentioned we just it was getting along so well that even before we'd um, pressed record on the mics um yeah we were really clicking and so he ended up being a, a natural choice it was so seamless and he's such a funny and open dude that it, um it worked really well it did mean i had to go from i was usually on the on the non-button side of the desk so uh, yeah, the oh. buttons and he enjoyed um being the pilot and i was there as the well i wouldn't even say co-pilot i was the um I was probably cleaning the toilets at the back of the plane um, <laughs> for, for that for that one because you can you know the other side of the desk it's it's a different zone you you could get away with not really knowing what's going on you just get you know thrown something but um yeah Matt became the person on that side because he hadn't done radio before and I suddenly was um was up um, pressing the buttons which which ended up working really well because I'd had experience in Matt's side of the desk I could you know I knew how to throw and set up you know the questions and the comments and you know getting him to to do a few things and i also wasn't as frustrated when he's like hang on what are we doing and we just spent a long time explaining it with the producer because <laughs> i was also guilty of that at my time at the desk so yeah it's it worked really well and it connected with audiences like um it was you know one of the more seamless host transitions that i think um you know triple j but radio had seen for a, for a while so um yeah i was super stoked not to say it didn't in the first you know few months get some 
awful texts oh. and I mean, you just that's just part of the course when you're when you're on there and you're broadcasting to people who who have an idea of what this particular station is and is are unwilling to let go of it or adapt you obviously um get some people who aren't on board but um yeah as far as it went it seemed to, to roll really well which was which was awesome it was a really great feeling that's cool yeah i, I remember when maddie started um you know he's like you had that episode or the one morning that you let him press the buttons and, <laughs> yeah out again uh, we gave him a go there wasn't many episodes that i missed but i i sort of started listening to you and tom and circuit maybe 2012 or something like that and i didn't miss too many mornings but i, I just remember you know, between that and Matt having to do, was it burpees because he was late or something oh, yeah. and Ollie Woods just nailing the poor bugger. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was just a rude awakening, the old um, coming in, because you don't, you obviously want to ingratiate yourself to everyone and everyone, you, you're unaware of how it works. And so you're very willing to go along with the ideas. And um, so, yeah, you do find yourself saying yes to a few things that later in your radio career, you can just go, oh, I don't feel like doing that. You know, that sounds burpees. That sounds tough. You know, actually, I'm, I'm not going to do that where you can do that. So at the start of uh, these things, you can uh, really do it. But yeah, often, particularly in radio, the um, putting yourself through discomfort, whether it is physical or um, emotional, um, and sometimes whether it's emotionally funny discomfort or genuine, you know, openness and emotionally uncomfortable um, conversations that a lot of the time remain private, those those kind of things, you often get the best um, response from listeners because it's something they don't often hear um, and it's something they can really connect to and um, and get on board with. Yeah, fair enough. So, so I might tangent away for a minute. We'll talk about one of your experiences uh, in your time hosting Triple J. Um, but just before that, I was just curious, for you, who's been a, a massive influence for you both personally and professionally? Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting to think about. I think um, coming into Triple J so young, everyone at that station is is a really good influence in whatever they do. And there's the on-air influences of people who, people like Zan Rowe, who are absolute pros. You know, they are not only a pro at radio, but often like you can see them the way that they carry themselves off air the way that they um yeah interact with people people who are like people's ambition people's friendliness people's willingness to give you their time um and that goes for a lot of people with who have often strong in all areas but even in stronger in in other areas like so people like zan road like as far as radio presenting goes you can just hear like it's it's amazing like getting into radio from my background of being a little you know dickhead running around and you like doing funny things seeing someone who would do a all they need to say is what song was just on and what song they're about to play but the craft in connecting to a person out there who's sitting by themselves listening to radio um telling them how their day's going pointing ahead so they keep listening to the radio because that's everyone everyone's in the media on apps you want you want to keep people's attention and keep them enjoying what's what's happening the craft that can go into a minute of talking um in that regard is is very very um yeah that's something i i really respect and, and look up to and yeah similarly on the comedy side of things like listening I remember when I first turned on Triple J as a teenager and Adam and Will were on and it was these people talking about some extremely interesting and highly intelligent 
things, you know, when Adam Spencer's there talking about maths and like those, I find that, I found that really inspiring um, to listen to and yeah, that you can, you can broadcast and um, really, you know, think that the audience will, will understand what you're, you're talking about. You like, you put your faith in the audience that they, um, that they either, you know, are on board with what you're saying and connect with it, or you can explain it to them in a way which, you know, makes them get an interest in things like maths or whether it is get an interest in music or whether it is get an interest in, um, you know, basketball highlights or uh, my other, <laughs> my other things that I, you know, often spend my time doing, but, um, yeah, but as that's like, as far as on air goes and then off air, you can, I can respect people like the people who cut audio sketches or like, um, uh, who Craig Schuften was one of the first people who did that. And he's living in Berlin doing amazing things now. Um, people like Greg Wales, who's there just absolutely touching the knobs in the... Sl- I mean, don't, <laughs> don't play that for Wales, he had a context. But he's sitting there <laughs> at the desk for the like of versions, which are such a massive and integral part oh, of what Triple J love does now. And, so, and he's there making sure that these musicians can do a live take um yeah, and because he's recorded for, um, you know, UMI has done a lot of the, their albums in the past and a, a bunch of stuff, but he's an absolute pro on that side of things. And so there's a lot that I, yeah, you can respect from an organization like that. And I think many people, whatever the whatever your profession, whatever your um, your industry that you're in, the people around you, you can really pick up um, things from them, which can help you in the way you approach your career, but can also help you in the way you approach your life as well yeah um when you get to know them outside of work so um yeah everyone there is is really really great and has had a big in- impact on me i think sweet well I, you know Zenro seems super sweet she's kind of like that that auntie or mum sort of like uh presenter while you know yourself louis mccurdy and then linda would come on later and i know you had a really like at that time you know there was and Lindsay the dr mcdougall of course that was around the, the era that i was fully invested in triple j I, I dabble sometimes now but more like streaming but it seemed like you had a really like tight knit family and you all connected well and gelled well and chemistry on air was, it was nice to hear. And I've actually started a radio gig myself. Um, oh yeah. I'm, uh, I'm volunteering at uh, 96.5, uh, 2CHRFM at Cessnock. With the Fantastic. And I mean, that's the way it happens. I, I accidentally got into radio by doing it at um, <laughs> Warnable <clears throat> three-way FM. It was called the Warnable community radio station, which, it wasn't until I left Warnable and someone sniggered at the word three-way that I was like, what? why is that? Oh, threesomes. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> three-way FM. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how you do it. We paid 30 bucks to go there at 10 p.m. on a Thursday night and do a show, me and Tom Ballard. And yeah, you, you doing it and starting your own podcast. You know, people have asked me, how do you get into radio? And that's exactly do it. You you just put yourself in radio. <laughs> you, don't, yeah. you don't get asked to be in radio. You just go and go and get into it there's, there's many opportunities that you can take and you seem to be doing it really well Mitch thank you I've um I've had a few I've had a, I've been lucky enough I'll share a story with you in a couple of questions time but it's sort of come full circle because earlier a few weeks before you guys interviewed Greta Ray I was able to we spoke about her like her album and like her rise to fame of course and for those of you cast your minds back sort of maybe seven or eight weeks now um, you'll know that she won Triple J's on Earth High Comp which is like a prestigious award that high school students upload their music the people at triple j select you to win or be a finalist then you get from there you get to win some mixing prizes and stuff like this so when you know you and matt and even you and tom were presenting how was it when you arrived at these student schools and getting to say to them like you know hey you won 
Triple Daz on Earth High. Like I mean, I imagine that would have felt pretty awesome. Yeah, it it was. It's one of the yeah. There's there's so many rewarding things about about doing these kind of the stuff and the and the initiatives Triple J had, whether it was that or the Triple J One Night Stand and meeting people in regional areas who never get a massive concert with massive bands, let alone for free, that you could go and do. be like, what are you doing here in Geraldton or what are you w- out in Dolby? I was at the or, one at Dubbo. Oh, the Dubbo, yeah, people there are just amazed and they make t-shirts. But yeah, Unearth High is also an incredible one. I believe the first one we got to announce was uh, a band who, when they uploaded their music, it was IOTA. Um, but I think there was another band in America that was named something similar. And so when they won Triple J on Earth High, they became Stonefield. And it was Stonefield. from Gisborne in Victoria. Uh, the oldest, I think, had just finished year 12. Um, then there was someone in year 11, there was a sister in year nine, and then there was a uh, the youngest sister who was about 12 or 13 years old and played the bass and couldn't reach the longer, the furthest away frets on the bass <laughs> that she played. But these, they are an incredible band. They're still making really, really great music. But um, yeah, and I look back at it at the time because you think, oh, we get to talk to these young kids. But I think I would have been 22 at the time, so maybe three years older than the oldest, <laughs> oldest member of Stonefield. Um, but yeah we got them on the phone and said hi um hello hannah it's tom and alex from triple j she's like oh cool i was just wondering if we could um speak to your sister sarah please and they're like uh yeah sure i'll, I'll put her on and sarah's like hello he's like hello sarah is that is that sarah there? It's like yeah awesome yeah i was just hoping to speak to your sister holly please could you it's like oh I, yeah okay and hands the phone and we went through all the four sisters and then back to the original i believe that um older sister had said you've won on earth high and they were so stoked and yeah those i think that sort of started leading into the surprises that began to creep into um creep into triple jana tie which yeah is one of you know some of the best videos every year the best internet content is when uh, these young kids who are just you know they look up to so many musicians and then suddenly they are being celebrated for their music which they have created it's um it's a really great moment and it can lead to some big things we um flew to perth and surprised mosquito coast um first at uh uh one of the one half's house uh connor um we woke woke him up in the morning and said <laughs> said congratulations and uh matt him and i went to his offside of naomi's school to surprise her and then i met connor in melbourne again and he started working <laughs> working with me at comedy republic so that's awesome it's um it's a very very wholesome world that we live in rich same in, and you know I, I i watched the when i was doing my research for greta like you get you got all the feels and uh, she actually said, she's like, oh, something's going on here. I, I, she said she she reckons that she had some sort of idea. But to hear that, um, you know, it, it would be the most satisfying thing. And you get to go all over the like, all over the country. So that's, mate, mm. I hear that. It's like, that's what I aspire to be, like in a radio role, some way, shape or form. And um, I've hit I've hit a bit of form lately. I've, uh, since Mark Fennell's, um, like, the, so I got about half a million views between all of his socials. Yeah. Um, so it then went viral a little bit. And then since I'm wearing this Scrubs themed onesie, the guys Turk and JD reached out to my socials on Insta and then invited oh me to, 
and they invited me on their podcast and I had a laugh. I'm real um fake doctors real friends. Yep, I was on the episode. Oh four, mate, that's so cool. I was on 419. I'm such a fan of that. Oh man, I was going right now and um getting your episode. That is that is the best. 419. Uh, Zach Raff and Donald Faison, yep, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, and Turk uh you got uh DJ Daniel and um Joel Monique is the they're the producers. So um and then I had him, had him laughing for 20 minutes. Then I got such a following. I actually topped the charts in the leisure category on Apple and Spotify in Australia. What? And That's I so cool, man. In the top 30 in the US and the UK. So How are you I, doing it? That's awesome. And, he's, and Turk's like, man, if there was a way to ever like bust away onto the scene, this is it. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm oh, like, you've got those two dudes in your corner. That is, um, yeah, that's a great pairing to have. That's awesome, yeah. bro. And I, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to share the story with you because it all started from when you and Matt sort of shared the fact that I'm doing a podcast as well. Cause you know, we earlier this year, you rang us back after, you know, you set myself and Poppy up on a date last year, which I'll go into more <laughs> later. But so ever since then, like you and Matt and like, you know, I, I interact with the show probably way too much. He's probably got the shits, but you know, you've been very supportive and, um, and, and Bron and Marshy as well. Like it's a great show you to have together. So like, I just wanted to, pay homage to just how much like not only as an entertainer i respect you both you all and just how much you've helped me even though you haven't really like just through what you do and i've learned heaps and so i am really enjoying what's going on and i just wanted to say thanks well, awesome man and like it's you're doing the exact thing you reach it you're reaching out with you know just an idea to to podcast and sometimes you know that that doesn't happen and sometimes it does because we're like that sounds awesome and it gets involved in the show it's like you've yeah deciding it's like this is something i'd really be interested in doing and yeah you're keeping at it it's it's you know wonderful and <laughs> you've got to you know obviously as as you say you've got to do that in order to give yourself a, a chance you know and that was me and tom ballard trying a, a, a three-way FM um, radio program. <laughs> it's all about timing. Um, uh, he was going to do a super cut of all my things, just um, Walesy touching the knobs and me and Tom Ballard trying out a three-way. I mean, is it, I'm, I'm more more Freudian, Freudian slips in a podcast that hasn't that's, been for quite some time. That's the but, name uh, of the episode, three-way knobs and, and touching yeah. with Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just it's it's a it's a wonderful wonderful way to, to do it, and those things will will take off, and you know, the amazing things like putting something on Reddit or you know putting something on Twitter, these kind of things, um, they happen, and why why shouldn't they happen to you or to you listening or to to anybody? Because yeah, I think the, the amazing thing is, and particularly in the Australian industry, something I found talking to all the creatives that we have rolling through is everyone here is is really lovely and nice and they want to help to, to the best of their capacity sometimes they're stretched and aren't, aren't able to sometimes there's there's a spot for for something to happen or an idea that's good enough that people are like yeah that's i want that idea as a part of of my program and you know zach braff is an example of of one of those and yeah there's so many um so many opportunities out there if you um approach it in a really kind and nice and, and giving and non um yeah middle way it's awesome oh yeah man thank you it's very nice of you to say that um it's nice of you to have me on and to, to talk about this because this is yeah it's just as much as a thrill for me as it is to you to yeah have have someone who's listened to what you've done in the past and has enjoyed it you know that's that's such an awesome thing well i've got i've just got i've got countless questions here but i'm just being time conscious as well <laughs> for sure. but I, I i wanted to to say like and also further to that 
I've, I've been able to speak to some of the musicians that I truly admire. Like I've had uh, the Jezebels in my favorite band. I've spoken to Haley and Heather. I've spoken to um, Karen, the voice of Siri. She, she reached out to oh, me. Whoa. <laughs> she was on last week's episode and I've spoken whoa, that's to. That's incredible. Oh, I'm on the same podcast as Siri. Mate. Yeah. And at the that's end, she's huge. like, thanks for coming on. That's a niche point. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. spoke to Greta. I spoke to Charlie, the singer. That's the name of few. And like, it never would have happened if I, you know, I'm just a coal miner from Curry place. So shit, they named it twice. But if you have an idea, then if anyone out there wants to build a house, you know, go on a holiday, whatever it might be, just do it. Like it's, there's no point taking the best ideas to the graveyard. Mm. I'm Mitch Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. So, you know, you've, you've, you've gigged all over the country and probably seen gigs all over the world. You know, you've been in radio, you were nominated for an ARIA and you won one. Congratulations on that. It's probably long overdue, but I've never had a chance to say it to you. Uh, and in your time, whether it's a, like a version, performing as DJ Snorlax or witnessing a gig, is there a gig or countless gigs that stand out to you that you truly resonated with? Um. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty. Um, LCD sound system at one of my first splendors, I recall, because they make, they make music, which it really, it's not just like, I'm going to sit and watch this song, like the song groves, <laughs> that can be really long. Oh. And so it really does lend itself to creating its own ecosystem almost. And it's like its own biosphere in which you're enveloped in this music with everyone around you. I think all my friends, the song, all my friends at that gig was, was quite incredible. Um, as far as something super special that is really, yeah, you sort of pinch yourself was, when the Foo Fighters came to Australia and did a show at the Manning Bar in Sydney because they were doing pub gigs and um, Dave Grohl just wanted to bring back, you know, rock and roll music and live performance and stuff. And so they just organised this gig. It was, you know, the next time I saw them, it was at Homebush Stadium with 80,000 people. This one was about 500 to 700 sweaty people in this small uni bar. Have and he comes out good. and goes, you guys want to hear the new album? And then they play from cover to cover, front to back, the Foo Fighters' latest album. And he goes, and that was the new album. <laughs> <laughs> and then the riff starts and he starts playing All My Life. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, my oh, life. And then they do like another song. album and a half, two albums worth of absolute red hot tuna fish hits. Um, and you're just there just going, I'm standing this far away from the guy who was in Nirvana and is the lead singer of the Foo Fighters. And it's like one of those moments. But there's... There's stuff that is can be as good as that. And then, as you mentioned, you saw us an Unearth gig. You can be at this small venue with a, a really a com completely unknown artist who is sharing something really personal with the crowds, you know, and those kind of gigs are some of the most special, those really, those really small gigs with the people, like even like small, I remember going to the I think Brighton Up Bar or something and Cub Sport was playing like way before, um, they really blew up, I think, when Come On, Mess Me Up came out and they went from strength to strength there. But yeah, those small sort of side show gigs or even just when I was did my post Triple J gap year, I was in um, oh, Montenegro at some random place that had Aperol spritzes for five bucks. Oh, was, look at um, it. <laughs> Um, from country Victoria, Maddie Gilbert, and we went back and oh, could be spritz o'clock here, and we sat down and watched this um, 
girl who was from Bosnia performed covers of song. Like she, I think she did "Linger" by the Cranberries or something. Like and we're like, yeah. oh my god, oh her voice is it just me? Is her voice incredible? And we're like, the spritzes were flowing and the music was playing, and we were just connecting with this, you know, pub com- cover singer. Um, so yeah, it it's such a wide range, but it's the same thing as you mentioned, connecting with people um, is is what music's all about. It's what art's all about and creativity is all about. And yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't matter really the setting um, or the, how big the name is. Some of the best moments are, um, yeah, when you, you get to pinch yourself and you really, you're in the moment and you're enjoying what's what's happening <laughs> right in front of your eyes. They're, they're some of the best. Absolutely. I was there for that Foo Fighters too. A day of growl, I was probably 20 metres away and I could still feel my ovaries getting tickled. It was ridiculous. <laughs> he does. He is a little bit of a uh, the fallopian tickler, isn't he? Oof. Stop, drop and roll, Davey. You're on fire, champion. I am um, one of my favourite gigs I ever got to go to um, was Boo Seeker. But when they were sort of starting out, mm. I'm a Newcastle lad. And um, they were just playing, you know, two-piece at the Queensworth Brewery. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's on the water there. And um, just an acoustic set at the back, probably entertaining 50 people. And in between takes, you, like, you hear a few claps. Oh, get us a beer, would you, mate? No worries. So, uh, this, <laughs> this is what we call Deception yeah. Bay. I was like, oh, it's so good, man. And oh, I got mate, well, you're talking about language here. You know I'm a big Deception Bay by Booth Seeker fan. <laughs> oh, I got to meet him at a gig in Darwin. Um I never, so I met, I, I heard them play like, and I knew this every single song, every lyric off their first album. And um, as soon as they chucked on Gold Sail, I'm there like, and they mm. stopped. Like, do you know the word to Gold Sail? Like, yeah, nearly represent. Woo-hoo. <laughs> little fat bloke, get him up here. And I got to get up there and tambourine with him. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's amazing, man. That's so good. What a moment. And those dudes are super tall, hey? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're very, very tall imposing man but just the sweetest dudes yeah yeah it was a legend so that was awesome that was a really really cool like time of life for sure i um wanted to ask you as well so you've racked up millions of views on youtube comedy sketches like a version videos and you've interviewed people from like schwarzenegger to former prime minister julia gillard Mm. curious from all the countless big names you've interacted with Mm -hmm. one is there a memorable interview that you've done that that sticks out and two was there someone that you met and you were blown away by what they were life in real, like in real life? Um, yeah, a couple spring to mind. Dolly Parton was wow. just a vivacious ball of energy on the phone, like on the phone from you know Texas or Nashville, Tennessee, or wherever she was living at the time. But um, she was awesome, and she just released a, an app, the Dolly Parton app, and this is what twenty ten or eleven, so it was quite early on in the, even in the app game. Um, and so Dolly had an app, and I just I just remember so well just chatting to her, going, "App, I, Dolly, I'm I'm using your app. This is, I can listen to all your songs. This is this is amazing. Where did you get the? Um, where did you start getting into apps?" And she goes, "Oh well, you know, you can just call me Digital Dolly." <laughs> and I'm like Dolly Parton, I uh, love you a lot. And just seeing what she's even done recently, like whether whether it's you know getting books for for children or you know helping produce vaccines for this pandemic, she is a force of nature both musically and um socially so yeah really love dolly parton um someone i think the other part of your question was someone who you sort of found out what they were like there was, yeah, were there you was blown, blown away with like how you were you surprised about what someone's personality was like say um i a memorable ones we interviewed i believe his name is aaron rolston yeah it's aaron rolston and he is the gentleman who inspired the film 127 hours 
um, in yes, which he was uh, hiking. James Franco, James, James or yeah. Dave Franco played in that film, I think. Yeah, he was hiking. Aaron was just a dude, went hiking by himself in Utah, slipped down a little crevice, a rock, a boulder got dislodged, landed on his arm. Cut his arm off. Cut his arm off, didn't he? was stuck for days until he eventually, yeah, took the, the worst case scenario um, where he used the knife that he was chipping away at the rock, the blunt knife, and, you know, severed his own arm and found some help that way because that's how he got away. It, it's a remarkable story. And we met the dude and he came in with his... It, it was a. It wasn't a prosthetic armor, but it was a. I guess it, it wasn't a hook. It was like a little grabby thing on his arm. And we talked to him and like, how did you go that? He's like, I was actually. It was actually great when I realized I just need to cut my arm off because suddenly it was. I know how I'm going to get out of here, rather than I wonder what's going to happen. Like I, oh. I've got no idea how to do this. But he was is really interesting because something I found him is when he walked out of the studio, he said hi to Damo, just this dude at Triple J from the web team, and it's like, oh, so what do you do here? And Damo's like, oh, I work at the web team, and he was just like, oh. What was what that like? Like, and he was really interested in what Damo was doing. I'm like, oh, it's it's really cool that this dude is being through. <laughs> you know, one unspeakable thing. He just came in was was um chatting to chatting to the off air dudes, just meeting people. And I think he's just happy to. He was in Australia, like he was doing a press tour for this thing. It was yeah, it was quite an interesting interaction. Um, and one of the ones that I look back on fondly as well, being a big fan of Arrested Development, is when Jason Bateman came in with Jason Sudeikis, who's since gone to do Ted Lasso and Charlie Day from There's Always Sunny. They were in a film called Horrible Bosses and all three of them came into the Triple J studio. Cool, man. I had a bit of a pinch That'd myself been, moment. That would have been hilarious. I, I had an um, AFL footy in the studio and I showed Jason that and we started like throwing the footy like a NFL um, quarterback and I was teaching him how to hand pass and, and stuff like that. And yeah, that was a, well, I was super nervous for that, for that interview with those, those dudes. That was, that was quite a few, but yeah, we'd, Talking with Jason Bateman about that is really kind and just seemed to be really stoked to be there. I got an interview that coming up. That's awesome. I got an interview coming up with one of the producers of Ted Lasso, Kip Kroger. He, um, I, I, I did so well in the Zach and Donald podcast that uh, there's a group called Fake Doctors Real Friends fan page. And I spoke to Jared Weissfilner. He was the production manager on Scrubs. Wow. So, so cool. For an hour and 20 minutes, I just fanned out asking him all this stuff and he put me in <laughs> touch with Kip. So looking forward to that. So everyone, Mate, definitely. That'll be awesome. Everyone stay tuned. I'm speaking to Kip over the next little while. So that's you a great spun- video craft point forward as well there, Mitch. That's that's nicely done. Encouraging everyone to tune in next week. Oh, yeah. For those of you who... And like- I would be very proud of you there. <laughs> <laughs> so for the... Are uh, the people find me interesting or they're very good at feeling sorry for me? I'm just sailing on through. <laughs> just, don't question it. <laughs> just go with win. it. Yeah, just pop the sails up and keep going. One of the, one of the reviews I got was... Oh yeah, so you know it was this long, like long, like genuine, heartfelt response from Milan. He's like, it's just like listening to two mates speak at the pub. You know, they just oh. haven't got enough points in them. Keep going, champion. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. It was so random. You, you need to get a, um, a beer sponsorship, sponsorship. Get Guinness on board, and um, yeah, get them branding it. Extra income, perfect stuff, perfect collab there, bitch. Oh. I'm, I'm fingers crossed. So, you know, so you've spun many plates and I want to ask you a question in a little bit, but a lot of people may or may not be aware that you're actually also a published author as well. So last year, your debut novel, When It Drops, came out? Yeah. And um, so can you just tell us, like, where did you find inspiration to come up with the novel and sort of what it's about and what's it like releasing, like, some published work into the world? Like, that's got to be um, pretty pretty interesting. It's so different to radio because 
on live radio, you release whatever you could think of at the time into the world Drop and that then it's coin. done. And you're like, oh, there it is. Exactly. Um, there's another aria for you for that content. Um, <laughs> drop that coin. You drop a coin. You've got to guess what type of coin it is. Um, your award-winning <laughs> stuff. Um, you've got that. And then the next day, it's like a brand new one. It's like it all happens in the moment. It's so spontaneous. With a novel, there is so much legwork under the water. It's like the duck paddling furiously underwater, but the duck is tiny and the legs are massive <laughs> because you're just sitting there grinding away for so long, new drafts. I was thinking about it the other day because I'm trying to, I just finished the first draft of another one um, and it, just, it takes so long and you're like, you're the project manager, but you're also the person putting every little word or nail into every beam to just try and get it. He's like, I don't know, it's quite a solitary pursuit and it's very difficult to, um, yeah, collab on something like that. And so, yeah, I find it extremely <laughs> Yeah, it's gratifying in that it's very different to the way I've worked previously, but it's um, very tough in that it's, yeah, there's a lot of lead work and then it's out and then it's it's like, okay, well, what's the next thing? Because you yeah. sort of, you've done all the hard work and then it's got to go to a printer and you sort of move on with your life a little bit and then finally it's out and um, yeah, you've got to move on. But it is rewarding when people get in touch and say, I read it, I really connected with it. I liked the character, it made me think of my um, father who I lost in the last little while or something like that, that those are the kind of things that, that end up making it worth, worth it. Cause it's not the money. <laughs> it's not, that's, that's, that's publishing these days. I asked my publisher, are there any full-time authors? And they went, Oh God, no, 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 no. It's slipping it in between um, shifts at the bottle. I think was someone, someone <laughs> author who was doing stuff and it's the same for me, slipping it in between podcast records and comedy club meetings, that kind of thing. So yeah. Anyway. It's um, it's a nice little attempt to get some stuff off your chest. Sweet. So, how's uh, I thought of this was this was going to be a pretty good segue. So, no, okay. So, the book has been received with positive reviews, being described as cheeky, funny, heartwarming from some of Australia's big names in music, including but not limited to Japanese wallpaper, Suffer from the Hilltop Woods, and of course the very talented singer-songwriter Woods, aka Woods is the Goods. And yeah, for those of you those of you who aren't familiar, Woods is the partner of Alex. And uh, just recently, I think you should all go check out her music, especially with the new project. She's collaborated with the Kite String Tangle and their collaboration is known as Tornado Club. And they're simply putting out Pure Fire and um, recently... Liquid hot magma. Oh, hotter. Was, you know what? It would burn. It would absolutely burn Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Absolute pure fire. And, you know... this. Really... roll, you're on fire, mate, as uh, old Mitchie would say. <laughs> <laughs> I've become two-dimensional. How good. Oh, it's it's perfect. I, like, I, I've i got Packer Up Boys. I need a new one. I'm going to steal Mitchie's Stop, Drop and Roll. Stop, Drop and Roll. Or <laughs> I'm just, people are saying, like, I'm going to get, I'm getting shirts made up saying, feeling buggered. Have a bitchy with Mitchie at the end of the back. But like, I recently, the, uh, the version of Mr. Brightside, how good. So mm. please, everyone, wherever you find music, Tornado Club, Woods, and Kite String Tangle, check them out. And check out Alex's book. I will include a, a, a link on the bio underneath. So please well, we'll check just help out. out because the audio book is coming out soon and it's one oh, of the cool. first audio books that has its own lead single. Um, we've got a song together. I mean, if you can get past my awful singing, which um, Japanese Wallpaper also helped out with, trying to fix up. But, um, yeah, those on production, Daiso on lyrics and actually wrote the uh, wrote the riff for the song. So, um, yeah. Get the uh, get the audio book. If I mean, obviously, you're listening to this, so you're a fan of the audio medium. But um, 
yeah, that's that's there with some with some extra goodies for you. You see, you see, it all comes full circle. I mentioned someone, you've worked with them. That is the synergy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Please keep going. And perfect. Okay, so one thing I was infinitely curious about, I'll quickly touch on the podcast afterwards and, and stuff, but as I said, I've spoken to you know countless musicians. It's kind of kind of come like a, a musical timeline sort of show. EMI records have been emailing me to do singers in future. But, you know, uh, so Hayley Mary, Heather Matteo, uh, Mark Fennell himself as well, and even Turk and JD, they all had this had a similar answer for this question. So the question is, what do you think is the winning equation to stay successful in the entertainment industry? Cool. Had a similar question. All right, well, you have to tell me whether this is similar. I will. Um, a successful equation to, you say, remaining successful? Yeah, to, or to, you know, to stay relevant, to stay in the entertainment yeah. industry. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's really, that's, I think I'm not qualified to, to be, to be telling you. It depends what, it really depends on what you want to do in the entertainment industry. I'll reinforce you there a little bit if you want. So like, yeah. so Matt, it's by many plates, acting, like, you know, yeah. the kids album, radio, you look at Mark for now hosting just about everything on the planet, podcasting, radio as well. And then like Greta and start like they're singer songwriters and then also like doing the silo thing she's toured with you know gabstrom as well so they said the one common theme was like spin many plates which you've done you're a dj mm. you're a, you're an, you're a broadcast you've emceed events you're an author like to name a few so i think you are qualified i just you probably don't give yourself the rap that you deserve i think and i think you know staying relevant staying spinning many plates which you you seemingly appear to be doing um yeah, fair enough. And I don't, know. I don't, I don't, I don't think I. Um, it is an interesting one because it, it's that. Um, I've been thinking about it recently because all day breakfast as a podcast, you can't. It's very difficult to accidentally stumble across that. Whereas if you're in the car flicking your radio station, you can accidentally get on Triple J and go uh, and say, "Oh, this song sounds good," or these this topic that these two um, knuckleheads are talking about sounds sounds good, but yeah, in the podcast sense, it is that idea of relevance is, I was thinking about it because, yeah, you do want to grow your audience and you want to bring more people into the podcast. And so how do you do that? Is it through social media? Is it doing that sort of campaigns? But I've also, yeah, I think my tactic for, for doing it is not worrying too much about how it's like the relevance isn't the end goal. It's the it's the it's the the work and the process is the end, end goal. You know, like I enjoy doing um, the podcast because Matt O'Kind is a legend, and I get to hang out with him every day, and we talk and talk some rubbish. And our listeners are awesome, and get on and tell us funny stories, um, and um, give, give us feedback when we make good jokes, and you know that kind of that kind of thing is awesome. With the book side of things, like I, it was one of those th those things to, like get into it, like something I thought would be. I've, it'd be cool to run a marathon. I haven't run a marathon. I've run a half and I don't think I could do another one at the end of a half marathon. So I have yet to run a marathon, but with the book, it's like, I would love to have say I've been, I've written a book and, you know, inject a few things, um, whether it's the inspiration I got from these young musicians um, for when it drops or, you know, my own experiences growing up without a parent, like the, inject those kind of things that you can then pass on and hope a young person reads it and hope that they go, oh, it's, I don't have to be embarrassed about liking music or, you know, being alone or, you know, being feeling left out because I'm in a single parent household or something like that. Um, 
So I think for me, the, the staying relevant is to, it's almost, you can't look at the sun. <laughs> if relevance is the sun and you're striving for relevance, um, it's, it's, it could potentially be painful. But if you are um, invested in your work, if you're um, enjoying what you do, and if you're bringing an authenticity to whatever it is you're, you're trying to achieve and working at it and getting the quality of it, um, as well as, yeah, keeping in mind that it's like, oh, it, I'll try and do something different or do an interesting new twist on, on what's going on, then I think the relevance then gives you its warmth that, uh, that you maybe not have to look at. Yeah, that's the best analogy I can come up with, Mitch. <laughs> and make sure you use some SPF creativity and you can, you can yeah. leaps and bounds. <laughs> oh, exactly was... right. All right. So quickly wanted to ask you. So, you know, Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Congratulations on the nomination as well. Oh, thank you very much. So, you know, award, pod award podcast awards coming up. Check out all the socials, you know, matt.n.alex. Like, I've, I've submitted some uh, feedback. Welcome to our life, man. Not, I've, I've submitted so much like content. Anyways, I wanted to know, go back to last June or July, whatever it was. I, I was, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but I've inboxed the guys and I said, look, I'm a guy who I'm a single guy who is looking for love. Is there any chance that you want to create some content? Um, it probably made me look. And Matty said himself, he's like, bro, this reeks of desperation. And it took me about six <laughs> days to shower that off. Um, so, so what actually happened was you guys got me on, you profiled me, and then you put the call yep. out to someone else see if they were keen and was matched with a lovely person by the name of Poppy. And then we hosted a, or you hosted a, um, a, like an online virtual zoom date and Osher Gunsberg, the, I hope I'm saying that right. The host of the bachelor bachelorette uh, was there. And oh, it, dude. we surprised I, you with Osher, didn't we? I, I don't think we told you about Osher I, rocking up. I nearly called him Andrew G. I'd probably, I didn't, I forgot that he was <laughs> Osher at that point. Um, but <laughs> my, my question is when you, or when yourself or Braun or Marshy or whoever read it, we going, what is, who is this loser? <laughs> How was that received? No, absolutely not. Because <laughs> I think, I think it's, um, that's the thing, the putting yourself out there in an authentic way. I mean, Matt could say it reeks of desperation, but like an answer to that could be, I just want to do a podcast or it could be, yes, you know, I, I genuinely am. I like not you know, having a part, haven't had a partner for a while. It affects me. Like people can connect to that. People are like, I've totally been in that situation, Mitch. Or it could be like, I had a really terrible date on thing. I think Matt Nails could do it better. Or it could be, I really like the show. I really like the content. Like there's no one truth as to what that is other than someone putting themselves out there with the probably the most in the field of the most talked about artistic um, emotion, which is love, you know, and those are the moments where people are the, are the most interested. They're the most themselves. They're the most nervous. There's so much at stake, you know, that it makes brilliant songs. It makes brilliant um, zoom dates and audio things. It makes brilliant movies. It makes, you know, that is, that is a realm. So it's a, it's a perfect area to, to, talk about it everyone has been there so there's there's no one who can say uh who was this loser when they everyone's also not had a date before and so or, or you know or felt like they they want to go out with a cool person so uh, it reminds me of on triple j at one time um we got a call when we did a segment with uh the lunch host louis mccurdy who would join us and we together the breakfast brunch and lunch boys. boys became the brunch boys brunch and boys. we Got a call from Neve in Tasmania who said, oh, I kind of like this guy and I kind of want to 
tell him and we're like whoa Dave, that's a that's a very big step i mean we're happy to facilitate but that is a very big step and so she gives us the guy's number and we call him up and on air neve and wade talk and it was one of the biggest moments of the year on our radio program so much so that neve won legend of the year for putting herself out there in love it is a it is a thing that works mitch and um look i don't think she got the answer she was looking for because when she said i think i might kind of be in love with you wade said all right (laughs) oh no after a silence neve said all right (laughs) and everyone collectively and this is live can i say around the country everyone correct collectively shriveled up like prunes going how is this gonna work out but um both of those people were really really good sports and it was a moment that everyone could share in the collective like just the high stakes of that moment it was it was pretty incredible and yeah you yourself uh, created it in your own way as well mitch with that um with that little zoom date uh, before i forget sorry i i gotta i gotta give a shout out to best mate brooksy he was there the night we met both times actually and he's a big fan of yours as well so i gotta give him a quick shout out before i forget yeah brooksy brooksy you and um yeah so that i feel for that was a nave nave um nave yeah nave i feel your pain um uh, poppy and i (laughs) met poppy and i met once so she was a good sport she she got the train up from sydney and we had we had a like a date and stuff but you know what well, didn't work out but that's okay she's a lovely person and you know i'm best of luck to her i suppose um yeah and um so moving on to some of your more recent bona fides uh you were you're also the co-founder of Mel- one of melbourne's newest comedy clubs comedy republic uh how's that process been going i know lockdown's been shit but looks like uh, she's back it, up again it's- how has a place of assembly been going the last couple of years? Interesting um, phrasing of that question, Mitch. Um, <laughs> terribly. Shall I bring back, back Mitchy with Mitchy or? <laughs> no, it's um, it has been going really, really well. It's been super frustrating, and yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the frustrating thing is, is oh, that typo. Than... <laughs> you <Sorry>. do. <laughs> The what? The typo. Oh, mate. That billboard had me in stitches. Which one? We're closed due to a typo. Oh, yeah. There was a typo situation where... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Victorian government added entertainment venues to the to the list and then took it off saying it was a typo. Yeah, and we I got angry laugh. and called in Tracy Grimshaw on a current affair. But um, the... <laughs> The tough part is, is like, you know, I come from a relatively privileged position in the creative industries of being on air, which means when it comes to booking the guests, um, I I did cut a bit of audio at Triple J, you know, the ABC um, (laughs) funds are low. You kind of get the host to do a little bit of stuff, but um, you do get, you know, there are producers to help do things. When then I step to go and make a comedy club, I am, it is such a learning curve to making things happen being on top of the emails being on top of the insurance getting in all the meetings done the liquor licensing the signing of the contracts the leases and, and that kind of thing i had managed alongside my co-founder karen wheatley um to do many years you know quite a few years of that to get up to the launch of this comedy club and so the good part about that is uh, it's like i'm almost ready to start uh, really um, getting back to which I the bit I enjoy the most, which is having a beer and watching funny people do funny things. <laughs> but when a pandemic comes into it, and then you're looking at capacities, and you've got to go back, and you've got to go organise those kind of things, it is just an, an absolutely logistical nightmare to try and um, ensure that um, 
yeah, things are safe and up and running as, as best as possible when you get the, uh, the opportunity to do so. And so it's, yeah, been a bit of a frustrating two years. It's the brilliant part is you can see that when it works, it's working all right. And when Victoria, um, does release the restrictions given we hit the vaccination targets it's going to be the very first time after two years that we can have a full <laughs> a full crowd in both the theater and the bar and so i cannot wait to do that and i might jump up on the decks to celebrate um i think i'm gonna have to um have a little dj after party at comedy republic to Sweet. do that well i hope uh, that, late, yeah. late into the night i am i'm actually when when i'm able to fly down i'll even fly down myself and i'm going to come and down and enjoy a night at comedy republic so i'll definitely come along have a oh, few beers it, have a beer with you and share some laughs if you're down perfect bro i'll definitely let you know when i'm heading down but um uh yeah so comedy republic for anyone in melbourne um go along have a laugh have a listen some big names go through that place too so you know yeah, Husey on this this friday Husey. Uh, i met at Husey time once. of record yeah <laughs> Husey. Another, another good warnable boy oh he's not a, sure if he's oh, is he really formed on three-way fm yeah but um yeah, he's from down in my my area. Love Husey. Um, and also, you know, so three ways knob dialing. You've we've all, we've had it all. Um, I know that time is is probably of the essence. So I'll wrap things up there shortly. Um, but so yeah, as I said today, check out Alex's like socials. So and check out the Matt and Alex podcast first and foremost. That's hilarious. Uh, links to his book, his socials, comedy club will be there. And also, I'll include a link for Woods's music too because it has to be said. She's very incredibly talented, and um, I just yeah, I mean, yeah. Forget my stuff. Just just jump on the woods train. That's that's my tip to everyone else. Well, I I tried to I tried to think of think of something clever to, that rhymes with Dice, but I mean I couldn't do it. I mean I'm not the pun lord though that you are. So woods is the um, woods. Dice is the um. No, nah, I got nothing. <laughs> but no, like I um I'm, well Dice, I hate to say goodbye, so I don't know. <laughs> That was pretty good. Well done. Um, I know that I, I was as I was scrolling through these questions, tended off and to get to, to all of them. But that's that's good because I got to cover the ones I wanted to ask. Awesome. And I know that you're about to go and see your dad, and like that's awesome. And, and I know that you you didn't have to come on today, but um, people like yourself, um, uh, Matty O'Kine, Mark Fennell, to name a few, you're all very kind, and you've all you've all helped me make some art in its own little way. Like just this this little coal miner from Curry Curry, he's just having a go and um, you know, seventy people. I've had seventy thousand listens so far, so it's been awesome in six months for That's me. It's great, man. Congrats! Thanks. And I, I just, I just want to give credit where credit's due, and I really appreciate the art you create, um, whether it's in the form of your your TikTok or your, you know, your books or comedy republic, or even, you know, the, obviously the podcast. I love the pod, um, but it, it almost brings a tear to my eye knowing how how kind the people are who are, you know that you admire. So. I really wanted to give you a genuine thank you. Um, That's absolutely not a problem. The pleasure is mine. Uh, yeah, it is. It is these moments, like because looking at the things like the seventy thousand listens, they are. It is seventy thousand instances of people listening in and, and tuning and appreciating what you do. And the interesting thing is, you can get really stuck on the views of stuff. And like I still to this day, it's oh, this video has had this many you know views or this song, and I think and discussing it with artists as well, they can become extremely desensitized because suddenly, you know, Flume will have a hundred million streams of this particular song, but it's like, oh, well, why don't my, why don't I have 500 million? Like um, this, you could get really desensitized, but the, the beautiful things are, is that message from the Irish bloke. It's the things you remember. It's like, it's a person, like I remember at Splinter in the Grass, a nurse 
saying to me, it's like, thank you for what you do um, because it makes a job that can be super hard sometimes worthwhile. And I've been very self-depreciating in the past, which I've joked about, but also I obviously think there's a little bit of truth there that what I do is somewhat meaningless uh, when there are people out there actually saving lives, actually building houses and things and actually, you know, contributing to society. So when people like that personal at Splendor or people like yourself, Mitch, say that um, it does have an impact, it is makes everything worthwhile and is worth much more than the arbitrary numbers of views that can that can amount, whether they be small, medium or large, they, they pale into insignificance of these actual human connections and interactions. So thank you for having me on. And uh, I wish you all the best with the, the rest of the pod. Thank you, sir. Uh, and just on that too, like I, you know, I do 12 hour night shifts and quite often I'll, I'll stack up a week's worth of all day breakfast in one hit and then have it play on my USB throughout the night. So giggling. And I mean, I, the other week, um, Oh, he's had me rolling and I had 300 tons of steel shaken from laughter that much. Um, every time, every time you get stuck in a Maddie and I hear blame me, blame me. I lose it. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. It's just the timing, but no, nah, man, like to yourself going forward, all the best. And you know, Cheers, man. maybe, maybe um, I'll, I get some more musicians on and um, I just, I like talking yeah. music. I like talking entertainers and um, yeah, man, like honestly, Look forward to seeing where it ends up. Ends up. Thanks, mate. And I'll uh, I will chat to you soon. Thanks for coming on today. Not a problem, man. Catch up. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you're still here at the end of this, this was actually one of my favourite podcasts to do. I look up to Alex and Matt very much. Uh, I appreciate their content. I have for the longest time. So for him to have come along today uh, means the world. And what would also mean the world to me is that if you like the pod, and uh, you know if you enjoying the, the content please feel free to leave a five-star review on apple or spotify the reason is it's not just for you know for no reason at all the more reviews i get the more i can build the brand so if, if you're enjoying what i'm doing and want to hear some more content i'm happy to make um feel free to leave a review and um, if you want to get in contact with the show life's a mitch podcast on twitter instagram or facebook or send me an email at life's a mitch podcast gmail.com if you want to share your story feel free to come on. Anyways, uh, thanks again, guys, and I'll catch us on the next one. Bye for now.